Putting up new buildings, we're knocking down the old We're working in the summer heat and in the winter cold And the labour power we sell, me boys, for a hard and weekly pay Produces mighty profits for the greedy MBA And whether we were born here or born in Italy in Greece, in Spain, or Ireland, in England, or Fiji We all of us are workers, united we must stand Until the wealthy bludgers have been driven from our land Welcome to Creatures of the Industry An ongoing series of oral history interviews With the people who made the building and construction industry in Melbourne And regional Victoria since the 1960s These podcasts are sponsored by the Concrete Gang in cooperation with Community Radio 3CR. And break a couple of concrete pores to back our lug of claims. So keep your powder dry and hold your head up high. It's glass to glass and face to face, our limit is the sky. We've got a fighting history and we never will be cowed. Our builder's labour is a name to make a man feel proud. Welcome to Creatures of the Industry Summer Specials. Following the episodes to cover the Concrete Gang Summer Break, we are now presenting a remastered interview with the late Norm Wallace. With admirable foresight, Bob Mancourt, Shirley Winton and Andy Wallace sat down with Norm in 2015 and recorded his remarkable life story and his memories of the industry since World War II. In this interview, you get an appreciation of a very different world after World War II, but also you hear of the struggles and victories that became the basic blocks that established the wages and conditions the industry enjoy today. Norm Wallace was the BLF Assistant Secretary, first to Paddy Malone from 1961 and then to Norm Gallagher from 1971 to 1988. Norm was in a unique position to both make this history and then record it. So enjoy his interview, which is in two parts, and have a look at the publication Never Powerless, that Norm was an important part of producing. So a bit of background on your family when you were growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Just... The, stuff, the stuff that shaped you, yeah. that led you to, to yeah, adopt you, the position. Tell us where you grew up, Normie, and what it was like. Cause I mean, the, we've only heard stories about the uh, depression and how you got educated and all that sort of stuff. Uh, what I found with some of those other interviews that I've had was related to the Army and that, and some related to the Union and that, that if I was asked the question, I can give the answer. But ah, uh, uh, yeah. All right. Well, just well, to tell, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just tell us where you know. Tell us where you were born, and uh, yeah. that, that there you go. There's a starting point. Yeah, that's where Nancy starts to jump up and down and says, "Nobody wants to say all that bloody rubbish." <laughs> what are you talking about? You got good ears, haven't you? Oh yeah, you my want? hearing is perfect. All right, come on. We've asked you. Well, yeah. <laughs> First of all, I was born in, I was born at Seddon, in the house we lived in, in Hobbs Street, Seddon. What year? And that was on the 19th of February, 1926. 
Well, I knew that. I worked it out how old you were. Yes. So that I said, so when, anyway, born said in December 76, is it? So I'm, it's 26. February. February. February 1926. 1926, 1926 yep. Uh, apparently at that time it was fairly common for people to be born in the house they lived in. Yep. My sister was born there. Yep. My two brothers were born one in the city and one locally, and there was the common they used to have midwives. 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 Yeah, yeah, that type of thing. Anyway, uh, my father was working as a fitter at the Newport workshops. Yep. He was born in Scotland and came out with his parents to Melbourne in 1911 and settled in Footscray, in the Peter Street Footscray. Uh, my mother was born at Brighton. Her mother was born on the gold fields at Smythestown. Uh, he was outside Ballarat there. Yeah, yeah and uh, was born in a tent. Yep. That was your grandmother. Yeah, no. my grandmother, your my grandmother. maternal grandmother, was born in a tent at Smythestown. Her mother was born in Adelaide in 1845 and that's the earliest I've been able to find of any of my ancestors been as far as I know that's the first arrival in Australia of uh, any of our ancestors that you as well Andrew yeah. uh, so there's a fair bit of like most Australians now there's all this diversity of, of uh, mixture of different, uh, mainly British, as the term goes, British groupings. So uh, my maternal grandfather was born in uh, Antigua, West Indies. His mother and father were born in Antigua in the West Indies. And I think their parents were born in Antigua. That dates back to the mid-1700s. An interesting thing, there's a properly recorded record, proper record, of one of our great, great, great grandfather being a slave owner <laughs> in the West Indies. No, I think, I think that, that, that's not, that wouldn't be un, unexpected, yeah, yeah. would it? But, but was also a minister of religion. <laughs> <laughs> a minister of religion. So I've got a history of... Ministers of religion in the West Indies, <laughs> which is uh, strange. Anyhow, uh, so that's more or less, a, in other words, a typical modern-day Australian no, background. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, although, I shouldn't say today, because now it's becoming more diverse. Yep. Uh, Andrew, for example, has got German blood in him through Nancy's mother. Uh, so this is what's happening in Australia, and it's not a bad thing in my opinion. It'll become more diverse if you look at the future. Australia's going to be yep. really uh, mixed up group of people. Mm. Yep. And it, as I say, um, it'll be for the better, but that's my opinion. Well, that's what we've come here for today, your opinion. Or yeah. I'd rather have yours and Tony Abbott. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
I went to school in Footscray, Hodge Street, Footscray. Footscray Central now. Mm. Is it? <laughs> uh, I, I finished Hodge Street in 1938. I'd reached the 8th grade, I'd got my merit. I then did a year at the Footscray Tech to get my junior technical certificate. That was in 39. Is that the one in Ballarat Road? Is that that was Scratch no, or one, is this? This a, was one on the corner of Buckley Street yeah. which and is TAFE Nicholson now. Street. I know it, which is TAFE now. <laughs> is it? Yeah. It's what now? TAFE. Oh, oh that's good, that's good, isn't it? I work there, I used yeah. to work there. A bit of continuity. Yeah. Trades. So before you go on, Norby, what was it like those years from 29 to the end of the 30s? You know, uh, was it was it really in rough? The, uh, in the depression, you know. Yeah. During my school days, like most kids, or well, a lot of kids, yeah, uh, there wasn't very little money around at the time. Very little. That was during the depression. Yeah, during mm. the depression, and uh, I well remember kids going to school without shoes, and teachers would send them home. They yeah had them. Yeah, the shoes to go to school, they said, which was perhaps right. So that just shows you there some of the things. I can also remember some of the kids standing on the street corners, and as the blokes were coming home from works various places, because uh, Twitchgrove Manufacturing Centre, mm. and travelling mainly travelled by train. If they were working down, say. Wimstan along spots with Newport or even come the other way from North Melbourne so on and getting out of Seddon Station and the, the kids that stand on the corners and you know beg. beg. The blokes used to save sandwiches and give it to them, you know, if they were working. So it, it, there was a hell of a lot of bad times then during the middle of the depression. <coughs> I I uh, used to sell newspapers, sold newspapers over a fairly lengthy period, started off very young selling them. I had different rounds, I'd had rounds, I reckon I knew every street in Footscray and Yarraville, you know, and said through selling papers. I also had paper stands, which were a better thing than a round. But what I do remember is the number of vacant houses You'd see, uh, you know, people couldn't pay the rent and moved out, moved on, perhaps moved in with other people, whatever. I don't know. I was too young to fully appreciate when the hell they were going. Uh, but that was a feature of the empty houses. Another thing that... Uh, there used to be... These things that kind of stick in your mind. There used to be a bit of counterfeiting go on of money. <laughs> particularly two shilling pieces <laughs> and one of the easiest places to palm off counterfeit money was to a paper book <laughs> I developed great skill <coughs> great skill in, in the dark they give it in the dark I developed great still skill in by the feeling of the weight and the actual yeah, yeah, yeah. feel of the coin yeah. <laughs> as, as there was a dark coming yeah, 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 yeah. so I, I Naturally, refuse it. So you can survive in those times. You get used to things. 
Can I, can I just ask you about the empty houses? Yeah. So people were moving out of the empty house because they couldn't afford rent. Where would they go? That's, well, that's what I said. I, I didn't know and I was... Because there was, on, in Dining Road, there was that... Um, oh, I'll tell you about that. Yeah. No, not Dining Road, in... in Footscray Road. Road. I thought it was Dining, anyway. Yeah, Footscray Road, I'll tell you all about Oh, where there was a camp there, was it? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. What about, were there, were there, like, people squatting in empty houses? I can't recall no. yeah. uh, I'm starting off on at about eight. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. no, 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 in 35, that. that was the worst year of depression. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Norman was 89. I since learnt all that, but I don't actually yeah. recall that type of thing. They obviously had to go somewhere. Another thing that used to happen to paper boys, people used to do, you'd deliver the paper, and they'd say, I'll pay tomorrow night. This shows you how desperate people are. Bear in mind, the paper with them was penny halfpenny. They eventually became tuppence, but they were penny halfpenny. And you'd go back for your money, and then the next night, and they'd say, I'll pay tomorrow night. All right, you get the paper, come back. And then you come back, house would get empty. And they'd go through you for, for pennies. Just keep your um, shoot through, uh, which indicates how. Bloody poor they were. Yeah, how poor they were. So, uh, they're just experiences that I remember as a paper boy. Now, we also were, I suppose kids are no different today, but then we were great, kids were, we were great roamers, we roamed everywhere. And one of our favourite spots, you know, was naturally down the Maribyrnong River, and uh, we got onto a lurk there. The coal boats used to come in to the Footscray Wharf, coal to go to the gas works and whenever dumping the coal into the uh, trucks and the trucks were mainly in those days solid wheel solid rubber wheel things and the road there or the surrounds of the wharf were rough and there was the train line that used to run right through might be still there I don't know used to run right through down the Yarraville for the goods line and the trucks used to have to run over the rough ground and over the rails. And because they'd load them right up, the coal would fall off the trucks. Mm. And we used to have these, we <laughs> yeah. call them trucks, building carts, you know. Yeah, yeah, and the loads. We'd load the building carts up with coal. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we used to be able to sell it, at, depending on how, what size you had, the trips or six months yeah, yeah, trucks. Yeah. So we'd make money that one. <laughs> it brings out the... Uh, oh, survival. Survival. smart the, uh, imagine asking kids to do that today. Now, where the people who were evicted went, uh, well, they had a long Footscray Road just before you got to the Victoria Docks. It was doubly flats as it was known. Oh, that's right, yeah. It was a tip, actual open food and everything tipped there. Because all that area between Footscray and Melbourne was part of the old swamp. We're in the early days of Melbourne, they used to have shooters go out there and get the wild duck and that for, for the market. That, that was, used to happen in the early days of Melbourne. And then in our days, naturally enough, it had become a tip. And these shacks were made out of rubbish, so to speak, you know, bits of... They'd beat out tins and give themselves a, a roof and walls. And, and of course, when kids you go out there and you go nosing around and you get chased away and all this thing, sort of thing. 
and a lot of their food came from the actual food being dumped in the tip. You could visually see that happening, that they go and get the scraps that people had thrown in their rubbish bins. And it was well known at the time, I dare say, uh, the research of the newspapers around those years will yeah. tell you a lot about Dudley Flats and what it went on. But it was uh, the... Uh, and was it quite a lot of uh, people living there? Yeah, yeah, I couldn't tell you the numbers because I can't. Yeah, yeah, but, but I mean, it wasn't just one or two. Oh, no. no, oh, no, no, it was a community. It was a hundred Yeah, it was a community. Yeah, real community. You know, I've got a bad memory of... Yeah, you would have. You'd yeah, have heard it, naturally. Yeah. naturally. Rounding them up, yeah, but, the hundreds. Yeah, yeah but I, I, re I can recall it because it was close handy. Yeah. On our way to the city, you know, we, yeah. we'd hop on the Footscray Road and get a lift on the horse and the cart, the lorries going in, the sugar sugar carts, all horses drawn then, and uh, kids, I don't know whether it was true at all, all kids then, but certainly <laughs> all the kids I knew, we, we used to roam everywhere. Uh, and was your dad in work right through the Depression? Uh, no. Right, so he had a hard time. He could have been. Yeah. Uh, my father did not come out of the First World War too well. He, uh, and he wasn't Robinson Crusoe? No. He, he was at the landing at Gallipoli. Oh, God. He landed on the first day. He got uh, wounded <coughs> towards the end of May. Uh, he was in hospital from then on until 1917, where he was sent to France. He was an infantry, 7th Battalion Infantry. And... Uh, I think he got kicked out of France in 17, Andrew, you got his good. And eventually came back to Australia. And he suffered from the wounds, always suffered from the wounds. Uh, three wounds, didn't he? Yeah. He, no, he finished work during the Depression. He, he drank to excess, to be truthful. He would have, my old man ended up a drunk. Uh, so that caused great problems in the family. Apart from that, he... He was all right, but like all drunks, you know, they're, they're a problem. And, uh, but I mean, they got no help in them days, did they? At all? It was just oh, no. and, and it was not unusual, that's the that's point. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I yeah. well remember, you'd see a, a drunk lying around somewhere, lying down in the streets, and this kid you'd say something, and another bloke say, oh, he, he, he's from the war. And uh, this was and was it, it was a normal, was yeah. normal yeah. accepted, yeah. The yeah. result of the war. Yeah. People don't realise the effect that that war had on Australia. And you know, the other thing I've always not, you know, I don't pretend to know much about it, but when I, you know, read about Gallipoli and hear about it, and I think they got out of that one and then they sent them to the Western Front, <laughs> I thought, <laughs> surely once would have been enough, you know. Uh, you said, go home, boys, you've done your bit. Uh, uh, my father had some ability, by the way. He uh, was quite intelligent, great musician, play any instrument, pick it up, he played it. Just, just terribly Just musical. a natural. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's part of what happens to people. It's the waste that goes on. And it continues today with oh, all the, yeah. those soldiers that come back oh, from Iraq yeah. and Afghanistan. I, I recently, I, I went for an increase in my pension and I had to get an advocate because I tried before and that. 
tried on my own and I got nowhere. As soon as they knew where I'd worked, I got nowhere with these people. I had one advocate. This is recently. Oh, the recent one, yeah, yeah, but going back some years, I'd had trouble. Uh, I, I went to one advocate for some years back, a bit, eight or nine years ago, and uh, he, he didn't give me the right answers, you know, he didn't tell me what to say, put it that way, yeah, because yeah. you have to be an expert in this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I found that out through trying to do it on my own. And so last year, wasn't it, Nance? Mm. Last year, I went up to the Bentley RSL because that's where you get these yeah, advocates. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. exist apart from the RSL. Yeah, yeah. And this advocate, he was quite good. He was excellent. Mm. And he told us, he handled a lot of cases. We got, I got my increase, by the way, through him. He told us about these people coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, didn't he, Nance? Without exception, they're all gone. In the head, yeah. In the head, all gone. They've all got this problem. And I understand why, because first of all, uh, apart from the natural problem of being in a war, the war itself gives them no no sense of achievement because what are they doing? They're fighting fighting civilians, women and kids and that sort of thing. And it, uh, that's, that's what's happening to them. Anyhow, that's what I found interesting. But I, I think that's really important what you just said about soldiers coming from all those wars of aggression, the Iraq, like the First yeah. World War, the Iraq and Afghanistan, this when they come part of the, you know, the crisis and what you know, they go through, yeah. is that there's no actual sense of achievement because they're, they're killing civilians, yeah. innocent civilians. The yeah. Second World War, you're oh, defending... People were fighting for their... Against for their, fascism and Fighting for their wars. very existence. Yeah. And, and fascism and Nazism, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the real evils. Whereas, that's probably kind of a really key thing about, about you know, yeah, the difference, difference between a war and why... Yeah. Why those wars of aggression or imperialist yeah, like wars. the Americans, their war of independence was a well-deserved war. Yeah, up, you know, yeah. and it was it was about the last one they had. Of course, it was well deserved. <laughs> uh, you know, apart from the haven't fought one right one yet <laughs> since. Come on, put it off. You, know, you should know that. No, no, deep no. discussion. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. That's All right, and he's on a roll. So tell us now. And so, am I right in saying you signed up in 1942? Yeah, where did I go? I finished school. Because that was yeah. 30, what did you tell us? You yeah. finished 39? Finished school in 1939. Yep, yep. With my junior tech. Yep. I started work in January 1940 at Kanea's Rope Works. <laughs> where was that? Huh? Where was that, Kanea's? Oh, no, at Ballarat Road. Oh. Because it was a Kinnears also in Geelong later on oh. as well. Yeah, all right. Kinnears Roadworks. Yeah. That was before I had to start at Kinnears because yeah. I wanted to go elsewhere. I wanted to go down to the Commonwealth Fertilisers where the money was good. Yeah. But they wanted birth certificates and I wasn't yet for doing. Uh, so I uh, went to Kinnears uh, where the old saying was well known one, the wages of sinners 
death, but the wise is a canoe, a damn sight less. <laughs> did, you, did you ever know uh, Betty, Betty Oak, who used, yeah. to, who used to work in the ammunition yeah. factory? Yeah. Yeah. So, let's just say, you went down there when you were just before, a young fellow, you're 14 years old. Before, just before my I was 14 in February, I started work in January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just before you turned 15. Yeah. For, before I turned 14. 14. And I learned there how to make rope. Yep. I've always remembered how rope was made and uh, I was making cow halters. So, not horse halters, cow halters I was making there. It was quite interesting. Anyhow. They, that was when they had that big long winder, didn't they? And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you had to spin yeah. it. Of course, with the halters, they were only... You know, the length of this room. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was different, yeah. But that's all gone. The interesting thing now is there's no rope made in Australia. Australia at all. Yeah. And then there's no rope made of, hardly any rope made of uh, hemp. Uh, sisal or sisal. Sisal, 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 sisal made of yeah, 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 yeah. of course. Were you, when you went, worked in Kinnear's Rope, was Modern made there? Remember in Gordon Street? The wages at Kinnear's. Do you remember? They made uh, cookers. Those enamel cookers. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Do you remember, or is that? Yeah, I'll tell you what I. I can't remember all the places, but uh, I do remember how a lot of places around Footscray. Footscray was such a great manufacturing area. Uh, and then I left Canaries and I went to the Commonwealth Fertilisers for a season there. They used to employ kids during the, the season, which. So what year was when? This was is nineteen. 1940. Since 1939, oh, no, 1940. 1940. And the money was better then, you got over time. And that was sorting bags. The farmers then used to send their old bags back to the fertiliser place to uh, get refilled because a bag cost money. Were they Hessian bags? Hessian bags, yeah. I learnt there how it's possible for kids to carry great loads. Uh, you'd sort the bags out, making sure that all the brands were the same, putting the ones that had to be branded once on them, rebrand them with the farmer's own brand. Uh, then you'd fold them in half in bundles of five, I think it was, something like that, and you'd stack them in these great racks. The racks used to go high. Now, you had to carry the bags from where you sorted them on the floor to the racks. And what you, I found this what you could do. One thing in picking up weights from the ground, but if you're standing upright, and you know what kids are like, <laughs> we used to stack as many bags on top of another file, you bend over and you get somebody to stack the bags on you like that, you know? And you then you see it with a great weight. Mm. A great weight on you. Oh, so you couldn't have picked them off the ground no, because you were standing up straight. But yeah. you were standing, so then it was a question of balance. <laughs> and you get out to the racks and then they take more. So, this, I, I learnt, I figured out now why some p- people in some countries can carry yeah. great loads. Yeah. It's because of that simple fact. I, yeah, it's it's just a, it's a trick, it's a yeah. bit of a, a yeah. knowledge. Yeah. Uh, when that finished, oh, then after that, I then 
got a job with an electrician. The intention was for me to be an apprentice to an electrician in the city. Up in, in La Trobe Street it was. And uh, uh, I couldn't be, an, I had to work with him. You couldn't be an apprentice until you were 15. So more or less had oh, about eight months or so to go before I was 15 by the time I was with this. I ended up, I got the sack there. Uh, the boss, one boss was all right, the other boss was no damn good. And uh, I didn't see eye to eye with him, so he he decided to sack me, so I didn't mind. I, I did the work all right. Uh, in fact, at, at that time, I could have wired a house. I uh, get out the electricians and I was willing to learn, and I learned. I could have wired a house on my own. Well, no problem, you know. So it's not all that intricate. So mm. Nowadays, I can't. I can't even put switches in. <laughs> uh, so you do pick up uh, when you're young. You can pick yeah, up. Yeah, your brain. Really. Your brain's right. You can pick yeah. up things early. I might add that between jobs, uh, <laughs> you, you might uh, you might spend a bit of time doing nothing too. <laughs> so did you get the sack because you were a bit outspoken or? Was it, uh, that the way they... No, just, just no. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I didn't. I was with some blokes who got into a bit of trouble with the police. Mm. The One bloke was alleged to have taken a shot at another bloke. It's just some crazy stuff. And, yeah. and I was there, and uh, I wasn't involved in it. But uh, he heard of it. Called me a Footscray lout. Not a lout, but you know, Footscray lout. That was insulting Footscray. <laughs> the uh, he didn't shoot the climatory, only for scaring hell out of the bloke. That was all I was involved in it. So you could go out. By this time, work was fairly easy, but for kids. Because the war was on. Oh yeah, the war was on, and work was easy kids and then the season came up again at the Commonwealth Fertilisers and I went there again because that's where the money was but the funny thing about when you work at Commonwealth Fertilisers and you go to the barber to get a haircut <laughs> the barber will try you out <laughs> I can understand because your hair even though you wash it your hair you, you couldn't comb your hair I don't know what that is because the chemicals I suppose somebody you're lucky you didn't bugger your lungs, aren't you? you know? Oh, Jesus! Must anyhow, be. that's where I got involved in my first strike. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading the notice on the board. It so, said, so where did you go the fertiliser? In the first time, second time, yeah. second time he's gone back oh, again. Gone back, gone yeah. back for the season. And I read this notice. Kids, kids are not allowed to lift more than 50 pounds, right? This is on the factory's act. So I organised all the kids. I say, hey, hey, we're not supposed to lift more than 50 pounds. And of course, we'd been loaning ourselves up with 100 pounds, maybe more. And uh, <laughs> so we said, so we said, boss, we can't lift more than 50 pounds. And uh, the boss, this bloke, I was about to leave my hand some damn thing or foreman. He rushes off and sees the manager, the manager of Fair. I, I, don't, I think he could have been the manager of the whole Commonwealth Fertiliser. He comes off roaring down. Turns out he was a minister of religion as well, or some damn thing. 
But he didn't appear to be a bad citizen, just the same. Uh, and he said, oh yeah. And then he takes us up to the factory that was on the wall. He said, read it again. It referred to females. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that ended that. <laughs> How old were you then? Uh, I'd, I'd have been... 17 uh, or 15? Oh, no, 14. 14, 15. Yeah, 14 or 15. Might have just turned 15. <laughs> so, yeah. so that ended that. <laughs> I then, I think I went and worked at a woolen mills for a while. Which, which woolen mills? Oh, I used Port Phillip. Uh, no, not the one. In Footscray. They used to be between, uh, up from the river, between... Uh, Oh, I don't know now. It was between Napier Street and uh, Diamond Road. It was a different street. Oh, yeah, where... where um, I don't know if yeah, it's It's all older than that. Yeah. It's an art centre now. So I believe. On the road. So I believe. Anyhow. Black I was working with, it didn't stop there long. This was in 41. Uh, I then got a job at, oh, used to make baths, not metas. Uh, used to make baths and <coughs> they were enamorous. No, even I'd know the name. Uh, you said. In, up round the back of Gordon Street. They're not up that way, up north Footscray there. Not metas, they made good baths. Their baths were better than metas. I had it on my mind before. Uh, and my job was not with the baths. My job was I was working as a pickler. They also used to enamel things like light shades. Everything there were no plastics in. So, so what year was, was that? That was in 1941. That's still 1941. 41. Uh, uh, now about that time, a lot of the young blokes I knew were joining the army. The older fellows I knew. What was the age that you were legally allowed to join? Nineteen. Nineteen. Oh, you could join a militia at eighteen, but you couldn't join the AOF. You had to be nineteen, and you couldn't go overseas until you were nineteen and a half. That's in the AOF. So there's a lot of talk amongst young blokes in yeah. about going to the army or navy. And of course, naturally enough, in Footscray, nobody thought of the Air Force as a pilot or anything because you didn't have the education. And, and so I learned a bit there about what the manual, what the process was with enamelling. You had to clean, you had to burn the metal first to get in rid of any manufacturing grease on them and put them through a process of acid and then borax and so on. And so, how, how long were you there? Yeah, I was there for a few months. Yeah, okay. And, uh, yeah, I suppose about four months. In uh, one of the, the brother of one of my mates who was in the army, I spoke uh, over Christmas, that's right, uh, I think I was knocked off, must have been at this place over, a bit over, because I remember a bit over Christmas we had some holidays, couldn't don't know, you wouldn't have much annual leave then wasn't like it is now. But over the Christmas break. And then in the early January I, I joined the army in January the sixth. 
42. So you weren't 16 yet? No. And so how did they accept you? He said to me, is that your parents, father's signature? I said yes. And it was your dad's signature? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Just me much. Yeah. I'm sure you weren't the only one. I know my old man's cute. Well, he went through the war, so he was probably... Oh, yeah. He said, yeah. Anyhow, so that finished that job, and I, I took uh, a week or so. We were allowed then to take a week or so. I, I walked into the city. We walked into the city from Fuchgai into the Melbourne Town Hall. We could have joined up in Fuchgai, but then I reckon somebody at the Centre would know yeah. me. And yeah. So uh, I walked into Melbourne Town Hall and joined up there. Uh, so that started my career in the Army. My father, when he heard about it, was he said he was going to pull me out. He said, don't join the infantry. I said, all right, I won't join the infantry, because that's what he was in. And uh, naturally enough, uh, and so I said, OK. I never did join the infantry. So that's it. I ended up in the Army. And and had you, did you kind of started getting any idea about what society was all about by that time, or were you just a young bloke enjoying oh, yourself? Oh, well, you... Just, and you enjoy... Yeah, obviously you sounded pretty happy in that then, when you were young, were you? Oh, yeah. yeah. The, uh, one of the things what young blokes have over their parents is this. People wonder why. Lots of young people joined out. Lots of them. You had it over your parents. If the parents pulled you out, you could... Join up under another name. No. And so it wasn't the tool controlled, really. Yeah, and the parents wouldn't know where you were. were yeah, 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 yeah. And the yeah. army would turn the blind eye because they wanted. Well, they wouldn't know. And that, yes. They and wouldn't know. Be... They wouldn't know who you were. Those days. Uh, yeah, there wasn't. Yeah, that's no, right. Not like now. No, no, you had no identification whatsoever. Mm. So. That's how it was done. Yeah, it was like that until the 60s and the 70s and 80s in construction. You'd have meet blokes who had two or three uh, different tax file numbers oh, and different God. names. And Look at that bloke in Sydney. What was his name? He had this caper going. He used to go to the blokes and offer them so much for their taxation, their groups and the certificates and that, because they all had these bodgy ones. Yeah. And he'd file them in those names and get a refund. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to make money, big money. <laughs> that what somebody did with yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It worked Some out. Some good old choice there. And folk from Sydney, yeah. I knew him. Anyhow, so that's how I ended up, mate. Now, on the question of... Uh, I must admit this, that I had always wanted to join the army. That was, you know, young kids had this ambition of that. I wanted to be, wanted to be in the army. Uh, as to how far you understood things then, it's very difficult to say. I, I did take a keen interest in what was going on around me. Uh, when I was a paper boy, I read every newspaper <laughs> and every magazine that was in, yeah, yeah. in the news agent's shop. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I was a pretty good reader, yeah. uh, so I uh, I knew what was going on yep. in the world. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, as to where, as far as how much I understood what was going on, yep. another matter. 
but I knew what was, was going, going on. on. Yeah. I well remember the arguments over Japan and boycott Japan and pig on Bob. Oh, yeah. Recall all that vividly. And yeah, yeah. The slogans used to be written up, posted up, and you know about uh, you know ban the export of pig iron and yeah. so on. Do you know there's a film that's been made? Yeah, yeah I have heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, so you were right. So you were a young fellow then. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, I, yeah, yeah I recall it. I well recall it. Yeah. Uh, so the, the education had started in a way just by reading and being. Oh, you well, know. your general education. How do you learn things? You know, you. The school of hard knocks. Yeah. Or yeah. the university you of learn, hard knocks. You learn from. You learn from your experience and. You didn't have any old blokes that passed stuff down to you, anything at that stage? Well, political. Yeah, you know, just... Uh, yeah, about, educational stuff. Yeah, well, about, both my grandparents... About the injustice of the... Both my grandparents. Know. I was one of those fortunate people who knew his four grandparents. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my... Both grandfathers were great readers. Uh, my grandfather Wallace was an exceptional reader who amassed uh, all, you know, all these books to teach himself all these things and so on. You know, self-education was a big deal, yeah, 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 yeah. In, in particularly in my grandparents' years, yeah. because they they got the basic education, learnt to read and write enough to make them suitable for the workforce. After all, that's the only reason. Ordinary people were ever educated because society needed them to have an education to make money for them. It's yep. the only way, it's the only reason why we should have an education. And you see it being done today because there's now no need for these university graduates in numbers. They're not going to educate them because you don't need them. That's right. So it's uh, as simple as all that. Anybody thinks, oh, we're advancing. We've only advanced because our society needs that type of work for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it doesn't need it, it's you what, go down right. It's what the economy at that time, particular yeah, the time economy needs. determines. Yeah. That, that will determine yeah. how much education. Yeah, simple and, as and that. And with Australia now, which has been just deindustrialised with all the industries, yeah. Going offshore, disappearing. Yeah. They don't need. That's why they're cutting down yeah. funding to TAFE colleges. They yeah. don't need the technical workers. They, they just they just need baristas. <coughs> they only need barist exactly. baristas and, and you uh, have to have cooks. A <coughs> barista and <make> <laughs> yeah, it's got nothing to do about that's education, no, no. about lifting people's yeah. understanding of the world around them, or anything. Yeah. And we're going to we're going to end up. Our society's going to be consist of blokes serving up serving coffee, another bloke over there uh, cleaning the cups or some damn thing. It's going to be... Yeah, a, right. yeah. In the old days of Footscray, oh, well, well, there, there was fertiliser, still fertiliser somewhere in Australia. But oh, there was baths, files, uh, nails, yeah. wire, yeah. picks, shovels, yeah. and Munitions, yeah. guns, beautiful guns were made. Beautiful guns. So you mean at, the, at that company you're working for? You mean no, general? it's in the area. No, general, in the area. Yeah. 
and sunshine had the, and, had the sunshine and there was, there, and, and there was the tanneries and yeah. that's one place I didn't work at the tannery whereas most kids in Footscray worked at Michaela's house you know you know Lunig the cartoonist who Lunig you know Michael Lunig who drew his oh yeah yeah his father worked in the tanneries down on the mirror because he lived around the corner from where we lived in Footscray ah. and his father worked in the tanneries and used to take him with him sometimes yeah. and that's what made him so so you know how he likes his ducks yeah, yeah. and animals and yeah. birds <laughs> anyway sorry that's by the way yeah. but, but with the meters just going back about we lived in Birdwood Street which is um, you know me as a man not as a child which is a, right, which was a, and across the road was the meters factory Oh, yeah. And all the houses in that street that are facing the Nishes factory were from the, the veterans' houses. So it was all the soldiers who came back from the First World War and the government built housing uh, uh, for them. And, um, and that was in Birdwood Street, so it's only around the corner from Kinney's Road. And it used to, the Nishes, you know, in those days the pollution was just terrible. And there used to be acid bubbles used to come out through the yeah, roofs, yeah. and there were black dust. The, the houses were just covered in black dust. And I found some old newspapers going back, I think 36, 37, where there was a the whole street, including the families, and there would have been probably half a dozen other streets, residents of half a dozen other streets, who went to a council meeting and started pelting the council with tomatoes because the council wouldn't do anything, anything about this factory. And the council had to call in the police. And so there was a photo sort of of three police, horse-mounted police, um, actually going inside the town hall, and you know what the town hall is like, yeah. to break up this, you know... This That's project. the old town hall, you mean? Yeah. The old bluestone town hall. Well, I don't know which, which I thought it was. The one in on the corner of Hyde and Napier Street. Yeah, yeah, but it, but there's another one, was there? No, same site, but yeah. the old Footscray town hall was a bluestone town hall. Yeah. And sometime in the thirty, I don't know whether they kept that, but they built this. Could have been the one that's yeah. photographs of. They built this new one because I remember. When I put them on the function there for the opening, we found a way to get round the back of the tucker was and knocked off their biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> he was always a thief. <laughs> so yeah, so it's kind of like all this fight, the you know the struggle yeah. of working people. It just was. It never, no, never uh, stopped. Never anyway, stopped. Sorry, never yeah, stopped. I've just yeah. a distraction. Yeah. <laughs> I'm easily distracted. <laughs> so, so all right. So now you've signed up an army. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll let that go because you've I know you've gone through that many times. Tell us when you came out, how you were treated, you know, what work was like, etc., etc., etc. Before you, but, sorry. That's all right. Before you do that, whilst you were in the army, I mean, there was a real from what other I've heard other sort of people talk about that period in the army. Mm. There's a lot of, um, well, there was a lot of education going on oh, and yeah. understanding in, in trying to understand the, the oh. world and the issue about class was apparently really well, strongly, you know. What happened? Was, what happened was, uh, following the entry 
following the German invasion of uh, Russia, mm. an interesting point just by the way, I see where the president, current president of, I think it was the president or his sidekick of the Ukraine, the other day said that Russia invited Germany. That's oh, so that's that what he said? Yes. <laughs> so he got it a bit. He got it a bit Russia, wrong. Russia's upset yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course I. Do. <laughs> but it's the same with But also, I reckon the Crimea that Russia pitched the Crimea, but actually Crimea is always was part of Russia. And then under Khrushchev, yeah. oh no, because I'm there, so I can talk as an expert. But under Khrushchev, he gave it to to Ukraine. Yeah. It never was part yeah, of yeah. anyway. Everybody knows it was the Russian war, but yeah, yeah. Crimea. We even built a fort down in Port Melbourne to stop the Russians coming in, and and one in Queenscliff as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that's quite true. After that, uh, it became necessary to alter the position of of uh, the attitude towards the Soviet Union. I well recall, you know, the uh, uh, there was a lot of people in Australia amongst our our. Uh, Leaders, and I recall vaguely recall these pronouncements, you know, or now or statements from time to time about somebody that Hitler wasn't such a bad bloke. Mm. Yeah. Love our people, leaders thought that, yeah. and of course, their attitude towards Japan was a shocking one. Yeah. Whereas the ordinary person in the street could see that. Japan, because they'd invaded China and they and their Japanese ambitions were fairly well known at the time. So people understood a fair bit of that. But it then became necessary that there had to be a change of attitude towards Russia. You know, uh, after, after after the uh, the Germans invaded Russia. Or no, go before even. No, after uh, the Japanese no, came no, in. No, no, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people at the time, yeah. I remember when the Russians, uh, when, when the Germans invaded Russia, a lot of our leaders said the Russians won't last six weeks. Yeah, yeah. I well remember my father saying, he says, the Russians will last much longer than six weeks. Yeah, yeah. By the way, my old man always woke up to the fact that, that we invaded Gallipoli. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 he's not wrong. No, he, 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 yeah. 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 he, he said it was all wrong. Yeah, the British fighting their wars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and also in the United States, there was a lot of the progressive people in the United States started to yeah, come yeah, out yeah. with a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff towards instead of dividing the people and dividing Russia off against this one or against that one you know uh, that that we should combine together to defeat the Germans and the, and the Japanese yeah. so that you, you started to get a more favorable outlook towards towards the Soviet Union that occurred so that gave scope that in, in the various army publications, you could get. Uh, you could see the change, even could you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You could, well, personally, I was. A, I, I remember the change. Yeah, to yeah. what extent I understood the process? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I see it all now. I don't. You know, I, I couldn't have. But I, I remember the process. So you'd think about this. You'd think about it. instead of saying that uh, the Soviet Union was all negative. You had to say, well. 
you know, somebody signed something positive. So there was that sort of thing. Uh, and also, at the end of the war, when I was on Labuan waiting to come home, and uh, there was all oh, a few, there was thousands on there waiting to come home. They had the open air picture theatre where some put shows on from time to time. Uh, uh, we had the pictures there, and they'd, they'd show, they'd just show you how troops are. Well, remember, they were showing a picture, and bear in mind there were all Australians there, and they showed some British Army soldiers, and these soldiers were going through some military drill. And they were so, they were spot on perfect. And the soldiers, all the Australians, you know, they appreciate it. They give them a, you know, hearty claps, right? And that because it was, these blokes yeah, yeah, yeah. look good. Yeah. They then start to play God Save the <laughs> King. King, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. God Save the King. King George. Right, yeah. the troops dutifully observed that. That finishes. <laughs> then somebody else said, We want Joe! We want Joe! <laughs> and this great cry comes up. <laughs> they got used to it by this time. <laughs> the people, the producers showing the films. <laughs> and then they flash a picture of Joe on the screen. <laughs> so oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, troops, yeah. Troops. Yeah, yeah. Soldiers, you've got yeah. contrast there, appreciate yeah, and show yeah. militarism. Uh, yeah, so uh, there was also, I mean, there's also in the 30s, there was, um, whilst the Western world was in depression and huge unemployment yeah. in Russia, there was no. hardly any, I mean, no. the, the industries were just yeah. growing and yeah. um, developing, and the women were anyway. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. All right, so now. Uh, so, so when you when you came out of the the army, you were more educated than when you went in. I mean, apart from all this, the sadness. I don't know to what extent politically yeah. educated. But you crossed. Uh, you you know a bit a, about life. I knew a lot more. <laughs> uh, uh, you you uh, you're still always surrounded by your influences from the past. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. you completely ever get rid of them. Uh, and you can't see the future too well, or you can think you can see the future, but you can be a pretty bad judge most of the time. Uh, coming out of the army, and bear in mind, I'd been in the army from, say, from, I'd spent my 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th birthday in the army. So, so I'm discharged before I'm 21. Uh, I'm in no mood to settle down. <laughs> yeah, I imagine, yeah. Uh, I endeavoured to do... By the way, I was pretty sick when I came out of the army. Very sick. I'd had malaria. Uh, I didn't come out of Borneo too well because the living was a bit rough. So can you tell, tell us where did you go, where were you sent with the army? Uh, New Guinea and Borneo. But it, Churchill, Churchill had had his way, he would have been sent to the Western Front to, uh, up to Western Europe. Yeah. <laughs> that was fortunate that we had a, a good so Prime you, Minister. He may have been the last good one, I think, normal <laughs> Curtin. So you had malaria? Yeah. And so you weren't well. Hookworm. Hookworm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
and just as well you were young that you were able to <coughs> throw these things up. Yeah, yeah. Were you a prisoner of war at any no. time? No. Okay. Yeah, it wouldn't be here if I had a boat. Yeah, they. Yeah, true. They just chopped it. That's another thing. While while we uh, while we on that, I don't want to get yeah. stuck in it. You know, I had a quick chat with you when we had the Builders Labourers get together last year. Yeah. Am I right in saying that the Japanese never apologised for those things? That's right. I, no. Never said a bloody word. You know, the, the, with all the Nazis and that, uh, you, <coughs> Germany's taken a fall. Germany better. took a different it, tack altogether. And they, I mean, I'm just was, you know, the thing that, uh, you know, unit your unit for the one from Western Australia the second time yeah, they went yeah, in and yeah. all got caught it sounded like yeah. pretty pretty hair-raising sort of thing to do and they beheaded every one of them yeah. they, they should have been prisoners of war yeah. never had... can tell you, we went to, in 19, uh, 2005 wasn't it Andrew? Yeah. we yeah. went to Borneo to yeah. go back over the tracks and uh, God's true yeah, but did you hear when and that's a part I could never understand when the Japanese Prime Minister was here, yeah, yeah, he yeah, congratulated yeah. the Prime oh, Minister yes. on how he conducted, the, how Japan conducted their war. Oh yes, I know, I know. and none of the papers said a word. I know, I know. I, oh, I know. It took my old man a long time to get over the, the Germans, but he did because he, he seen that there was a change in the country because he'd seen the Nazis oh, in full flight. But at least they said, listen. Mm. That will never happen again. Yeah. These bus. I know. I mean. Anyway, we, I just wanted to ask you. I am right. All right. So you come back. So you're pretty buggered by the sound of things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and is you, was your was your dad and mum still alive then? They they they. Yeah. yeah. That's good. So they got to see you again. That's do nice. Do you do you want to rest or no. tell us Would when? Would you like a cup, another cup of tea? Oh, I've what? got some water. No, but tell us when you when you've had enough. We can no, come no. back another time. Look, when he drops out of the chair, we'll deal with the nature. He's fired yeah. up at the moment. Good. Get what you want there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do you want to tell you? I'll have one, please, dear. Yeah. So you, you weren't even 21 when you came back? Thanks for listening to Creatures of the Industry Summer Specials. And thank you again to Bob, Shirley and Andy for doing the business before we lost an important part of the history of our industry. You can listen to all our interviews on 3cr.org.au forward stroke cotty, C-O-T-I, or you can go to one of the many apps that have podcasts, uh, including our own. Or you can send us a uh, email to creatures of the industry lowercase one word at gmail.com. Thank you. So keep your powder dry and hold your head up high. It's class to class and face to face. You have been listening to Creatures of the Industry, an ongoing series of oral history interviews about the building and construction industry in Melbourne and regional Victoria since the 1960s. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.